mosquitoes, ants, flies, and cockroaches. These are definitely not some of our favorite creatures, but they were designed by our Creator, and they do serve a purpose. But what? Today, we'll talk about the bugs that bug us. Stay tuned. They're really highly adapted, and God produced them this way in particular for very specific reasons. This is Science, Scripture, and Salvation, a Creation Radio Journal. I'm Chris O'Brien with the Institute for Creation Research. Disgusting, squishy, ugly, filthy bugs. That's how many people feel about insects that irritate us. But do some of these menaces actually help us in ways we don't often think about? Don't bug out. Stay with us for the next 15 minutes as we learn about several different bugs that bug us. Jim Bethke is an entomologist at the University of California, Riverside. He says you can't go anywhere in the world without running into a bug. Well, the insects are, are rather unique in that they're adapted to virtually every part of the planet, except the oceans. There's only a, a couple of insects, one in particular that likes to run across the top of the ocean, called a water strider, but they're adapted to every place on the planet besides the oceans, all the way from the Arctic, the Antarctic, and the tropics and everything in between, and even deep down in mines, way down in the underground, and all the way up to the tops of the mountains. So they're really highly adapted. God produced them this way in particular for very specific reasons. A major reason is ecology. He designed them in a lot of ways to reach a lot of different portions of the earth to keep the earth going, and I mean that really seriously, and that is that the balance that in nature that's on this planet is largely because of the insects that are here. And so they're a tremendous part of the balance in nature that's here. They, they decompose things. They actually will feed other animals like the fish and the birds. Uh, they pollinate and balance nature. And some insects are specifically designed to clean up the place. They took cattle to Australia, and Australia really had never had cows. And so the dung beetles down there normally take care of all the dung that's in Australia. But when the cattle were brought to Australia, the amount of dung that was covering the area there was so tremendous, they didn't know what to do. So they started to bring in dung beetles from other parts of the world to try to clear up the cattle dung. So that's just one example of how, you know, he's designed the insects to be able to really help the planet along and balance nature. Another good planetary housekeeper is the ant. Bruce Bowers is an environmental health and safety specialist at the University of California, San Diego. Out in the wild, they're scavengers. They'll go ahead and they'll uh, reduce other insects. Let's say a bee or something dies, they'll go collect that bee and take it back to the nest and eat it. They love other insects, so they help reduce the populations of dead insects in the world. And so that way they kind of they recycle, you know. They recycle and they, they clean everything up. You see that if you leave something on your desk, the next thing the ants will show up and they'll, they'll let you know. They'll haul it all off for you. So they are the cleanup crew. What's another benefit that ants provide? Everyone talks about how great the earthworm is at aerating the soil. They forget that these ants normally have subterranean colonies. They live underground, and as they excavate the soil, they turn it upside down to help aerate it. The Argentine ant in particular is territorial and will drive out different ants in the area. They'll even invade other ants' terrain. This behavior is both good and bad. I don't know if you've ever seen those horned toads. They're called horned lizards. They say that actually we've lost 50% of the horned lizard population in California here because their natural food is gone. Their natural food is the harvester ant. And the Argentine ant has basically displaced the harvester ant. 
as a result, the food dries up, the predator goes away. So we've lost the lizards. So what's good about the Argentine ants' territory takeover practices? Well, scientists believe they could slow the spread of a harmful type of ant. We have other ants that have come into the society, like the imported red fire ant. It's a stinging type of ant, and people uh, have problems. If you're out walking in the woods and you kick one of their mounds, they'll come out in number. And if you're unfortunate enough to stand or get covered by these, you'll soon be covered by painful welts that are biting. They're a very, very aggressive stinging ant. We'd rather have the Argentine ant here than the red imported fire ant. And the Argentine ant, it's such an aggressive ant, it kind of displaces other ants in the area. It'll help combat and keep the red imported fire ant populations down. What about other pests? You may have often wondered why God allowed mosquitoes and flies to survive the flood. Jim Vetke. I give a lot of presentations to camps, schools, and churches, and I think that's probably the number one question I'm asked, or the very first question I'm always asked, is why in the world did God make a fly, or why in the world did God make a mosquito, you know? Which is a really good question, you know, why in the world did some of these things happen? But every single one of these things do have a purpose while they're on the earth. I'll give you an example of the mosquito, where the mosquito actually feeds a spectacular amount of fish and other organisms on the earth, including uh, birds and things. The adult mosquito, the birds, the immature of the mosquito feed a lot of fish. Again, another balance issue. And the fly. Well, if there were not flies, we would be walking knee-deep in carrion, all the animals that would die around the planet. The flies, the maggots, actually are the ones that uh, are the first ones to get there and start cleaning up all the carcasses from all the animals that are actually dying. The other part of the fly and the fact that the carcasses are gone is that it's mentioned many times in the Bible how when a man dies, he's covered with worms. Well, that worm he's talking about in the Bible is actually the maggot. Maggots that actually can clean up the human bodies when they die as well. Perhaps the most disgusting insect we can imagine is the cockroach. Well, maybe not everybody is disgusted with them. Jim Becky. I have a lot of cockroach pets. They're, many of them are very large. They're actually really fun to carry around and show off in little presentations and so on because it really does disturb the people significantly. Bruce Bowers. There's not much said good about cockroaches outside that they do provide food for other insects, birds, lizards, reptiles, that type of thing. So uh, I think they're just part of the food chain. So that's why they're there. They feed on them, and they do provide a lot of food for these because they reproduce so quickly. And there's no danger of roaches dying out because of starvation. Jim Becky. Again, they serve the same kind of purpose as the other insects that are on the planet. The cockroaches are what you can consider opportunistic. They feed on just about anything. They're scavengers. They'll feed on any little flecks of food and things that are falling on the ground. They'll feed on wood or, or plant material. They're very opportunistic in what they feed on. Bruce Bowers tells us what else is on a roach's menu. They eat anything. Uh, they'll eat leaf litter outside, plant vegetation, fungi, uh, algae, any starchy material, any meat-containing products, they'll eat that. Things like papers, postage stamps, book bindings. In fact, in some incidents, they've been known to survive on the eyelashes of humans. They'll even eat that. They feed on anything. So what would it take to actually get rid of roaches once and for all? Well, some have said they'd even survive a nuclear war. Jim Bethke. I kid around with this a lot where if there's a ever a really bad nuclear war, 
the cockroaches are going to survive because the radiation bounces off their shell, and they'll have plenty to eat when they're still around. Bruce Bowers says there may be some truth to this. We can safely withstand about one-time exposure to about five REMS. A REMS are doses of radiation that causes you know, injury to the human tissue. Like in humans, a lethal dose is like 500 REMS. But cockroaches, they can withstand, like American cockroaches can withstand about 67,000 REMS. And the German cockroach can withstand like 90 to 105,000 REMS. So uh, the amount of radiation that a cockroach can withstand is equivalent to that you'd find in a nuclear explosion. So it is kind of true. You know, after a nuclear explosion, uh, one of the few things surviving could be the cockroach. And that coupled with the fact that most cockroaches are getting resistant to a lot of the pesticides we're using to control them. So it seems like they're going to be around for a long time. People aren't the only ones bothered by bugs. Cats and dogs and other animals are tormented by fleas. Bruce Bowers. I was really fascinated with the fleas because God so uniquely designed the fleas that it could move easily between like hairs and the animal's fur. And the reason they can do that is their bodies are laterally compressed. That is, they're flattened to side to side. And this flattened, compressed size, it also helps them navigate within our carpeting and in the crevices and folds of upholstery. So uh, fleas are quite well adapted to living inside homes. You know, they've, they've adapted well from animals' fur to the carpeting in our apartments. And once inside our homes, they attack us as well. Fleas can exist on human blood. One interesting fact, though, is that fleas do require an animal blood meal before they can reproduce. So even though they can sustain life on a human, they can't reproduce on human blood. And when there is no blood source to be found, the flea can wait up to a year before it hatches into an adult. A lot of people, they'll re-enter a, a home that's been vacant for up to nearly a year, and all of a sudden they're starting to get flea bites, and they can't understand why the fleas can still be there. And what happens is that when a flea pupates, it gets in what we call a pre-adult condition, and they don't hatch out of the pupil casing until they hear vibration. And when they hear that vibration, they hatch out. What that means is there are a host nearby. And that's a mechanism that God installed in this flea. If a flea was just to hatch out any time it wanted to and there was no host nearby, it would soon die. But by hatching out when there's a vibration, it really increases the chance of survival for that flea. And it hatches out when it feels the vibration. Uh, meals nearby can jump on and start feeding right away. And uh, as a result, it ends up living. So I always thought that was a fascinating thing that God did for the flea to, so that they wouldn't die out so quickly. What else is special about the flea? God gave the flea an incredible ability to jump using its long, powerful legs. Some species can jump as high as 15 to 36 inches. That's equivalent to a man jumping about 555 feet over the Washington Monument. As far as the insect world is concerned, they're one of the foremost, highest jumpers out there. It's incredible. I think the reason for that is, of course, they can reach their hosts. And a lot of times, if an animal's coming within, let's say, a foot or two of a flea, it's going to have to be able to make that distance quickly before that animal gets out of range. Once on the animal, it holds on tight. They have those spines, and they project backwards. And those spines enable that flea to move forward quite well, but very difficult to remove that flea by either scratching or by shaking. If you've seen dogs and cats, they always scratch and get the fleas off. It's kind of hard to do because those spines help that flea dig in and stay on the animal. But it's interesting, too, to know that the flea will lay as many as 50 eggs a day and that sometimes their lifestyle can be completed in as short as three weeks, depending on temperature and humidity.
Today, we've heard about some rather repulsive yet fascinating insects, and every one of them, with their unique abilities, gives glory to God. Bruce Bowers. The design of these insects, they really speak of a creator who's highly intelligent and highly creative. These things just didn't happen by chance. They speak of uh, a design and a purpose. Uh, everything behind those designs have a reason for why they're designed that way. And that just speaks of a creator that uh, gives forethought and creativity to his creation. Jim Bethke. He also uses insects for our benefit as well and to teach us. So God uses the insects for his purposes, which is really great. Simply look to nature, look to the animals, even look to the earth, look to the chemistry and the organic chemistry and things that have gone on to, to tell you that, hey, God is real and God has created these things. As our program comes to a close, we hope that you've been encouraged. It's our desire at ICR to show that the Bible can be trusted, both historically and scientifically, and to give facts that will build your faith. As Christians, we need to understand the scientific basis for our beliefs. We pray that this program will aid you in your discovery of science and the Bible. You know, most people aren't aware that today there are thousands of scientists that are convinced of the truth of biblical creation and not evolution. Our non-denominational ministry aims to restore and strengthen the Genesis foundations of the Christian faith. If you've enjoyed today's edition of Science, Scripture, and Salvation, a Creation Radio Journal, why not visit us on the web to find out more about the work of ICR. The address is www.icr.org. Again, www.icr.org. Science, Scripture, and Salvation, a Creation Radio Journal, is a production of ICR. For the Institute for Creation Research, I'm Chris O'Brien. Thanks for tuning in.